Hello, brothers and sisters. I'm glad to be with you uh, to do another week of teachings. We're going to talk about godly character this week. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for the hearers of these words. And Father, put your anointing, Lord, upon every soul, every person that is hearing my voice. Let grace be upon them. Let peace be upon them. Let joy be upon them. Let love be upon them. Let these days be the days of heaven on earth for them, Lord, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, brothers and sisters, you know, when all of us was in the world, you know, we had uh, places in our character that probably wasn't perfect. And thank God that we are saved by grace. You know what I'm saying? And not of works. Thank God that salvation is a gift of God because if it wasn't a gift, we would be able to boast. You'd be able to say, well, I'm so holy. That's why God saved me. I'm so holy that I could do this and that and the other. Uh, I'm so holy. That's why God answered my prayers. Well, the truth of the matter is all have sinned and come short of the glory. And our holiness and our perfection and our righteousness is based on the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We were sinners, and the, and the wages of sin was death. But now we have received the gift of God, which is eternal life. We have received the gift of righteousness. We have received the gift of perfection. You can find this in Hebrews 10, verse 10 through 14. Or you can find it in Romans, the fourth chapter of Romans, the fifth chapter of Romans. Hallelujah. So we have received a gift of righteousness. We have been made perfect. We have been sanctified by the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And we have been made perfect by the blood of Jesus. We have been made perfect by the work of Jesus, that administration, the things that Jesus did, how he bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. But because God has done this for us through the body of Jesus Christ, we want to show our appreciation by voluntarily changing our habits. How many want to do that? How many want to say with me, you know what, I want to voluntarily, out of, out of reverence to God, out of honor to God, out of respect for what he's done for me, I want to voluntarily. See, this ain't something that God is going to make you do. It's a voluntary uh, thing. You have to volunteer to do this. So I'm calling those who want to volunteer to, to change their character. You know, not, not because you're going to go to hell, not because you, God finished well. You know, you do reap what you sow. <laughs> I show, show you that in the scriptures, but we just want to do it because out of love for God. It's, it's easier when you're doing something out of love uh, if you're doing something out of obligation it's easier to love your spouse when it's out of love and, and it's not out of obligation i mean understand what i mean by that i'm speaking a little bit in a, in a blindness to you right there but think about what i'm saying if, if if you're being good to your spouse or doing certain things to your spouse or for your spouse in love is much better to do it out of love than out of obligation hallelujah so god don't want you to clean yourself up because you are obliged to do it. He wants you to do it because you love him. Hallelujah. Well, you know, Martin Luther King was a great man. 
and this this particular scripture it represents his life was it was in matthew 5 and at verse 39 well let's start at 38 ye have heard that it have been said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth this is jesus talking how many of you have heard that an eye for an eye i don't heard people say oh the bible say an eye for an eye well jesus dealt with that he said you have heard that it have been said and I for I see the Bible didn't say that that was some of their colloquial sayings in their little neighborhoods and their little cities they said an I for I well it is in the Bible in the Old Testament but you have heard that it have been said an I for an I and a tooth for a tooth but I say unto you this is Jesus talking that ye resist not evil now that's a hard saying but how many can say you know what I don't care if it is a hard saying, my God, flesh, body, soul, you get under subjection to what the word of God said. The word of God is right and I am wrong. How many can say that? Say the word of God is right and I am wrong. My flesh is wrong. My body is wrong. But the spirit of God is on the inside of me is right. And I am a spirit. And I consider not my body, but only what the Lord have said. I consider not my soul, but only what the Lord has said. Whatever God has said is truth. And I'm going to command, I'm going to discipline my body and my soul to obey the word. I say unto you, resist not evil. Matthew 5 and 39. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. You know, God meant that. Jesus meant that. He said, whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, Martin Luther the king practiced this particular administration. He did what you call peaceful protest. And that's why the anointing of God was so powerful on this man, because he practiced the word. He wasn't a hearer only. He was a doer of the word of God. And this man had the sentence of death within himself that he knew that he was an offering of a sweet savor unto the Lord to do his work in the earth realm. And he got his reward in the heaven. And by his death, which is a perfect type of Christ, a man allowing himself to be smited on the cheek, just like Christ, being water hosed, being mistreated, being followed around, being lied upon. I done heard even people now try to impugn this man's character, talking about this and that and the other. Whatever, man. Everybody have seen it come short of the glory. This man was an honor. This man was a sacrifice in the earth realm. This man practiced this particular scripture. Well, it said they smite you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Hallelujah. So he had what you call a godly character in this particular area, and it caused freedom to come to a race of people. Hallelujah. Yeah, slavery is nothing new. They had the, the, the Israelites was enslaved also. Of course, we weren't enslaved during that time. It was what you call segregation. But that's beside the point. They had segregation during Jesus' time, the Samaritans and the Jews so forth and so on. So there's nothing new under the sun. Even in the scripture, it says, if you're brought under such bondage, it says, slaves, obey your masters, for this is right. Now, I know people don't like to hear the word sometimes when it's something that's going to uh, mess with your flesh, but I'm, I'm going to show you a revelation. The reason God tells you to do certain things, when you do certain things that God tells you to do out of obedience, it opens up a spiritual portal. See, some things didn't happen because of the sins of the fathers. And I'm going to deal with that probably next week about spiritual warfare. 
you know, some things happen because of sin. You know, Jeremiah was prophesying and telling people this and that, and they went into captivity. The Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Daniel, and, um, you know, I want to say the Hebrew names, but I don't have time to find it right now. But what I'm saying is they, they went into captivity. And they, they didn't go into captivity because of anything they done. It's because of the sins of their ancestors. They became slaves. And so if they behave with a godly character, I ain't saying uh, forget who you are. I ain't saying uh, uh, renounce Jesus or nothing like that. But it's a certain way you can behave yourself where you get favor. And because of the favor of God upon you, you can free people. You can free states. You can free cities. You can free the country. And there's certain things happening here now that could bring this country under that kind of bondage. It could bring your state, your county, whatever, under bondage because certain things the people allow, certain things that people won't do spiritually. How many understand? So you could get into a bondage, and then God tell you how to act while you're in that bondage. He say things like, if somebody smites you on one cheek, offering the other, he say things like this in verse 40. If any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. In other words, they want to sue you. They want this get to him. I know that don't sound like uh, uh, sound right to some of us because we've been taught to be selfish. We've been taught to be brought up on the demonic system. But God said, don't get into strife with some people. They want to give to them. Man, God is well able to give you abundance. Don't get into strife over things that don't matter. See, what it is, if you had an attitude, you're not finna fight with people in the natural. A lot of times when they start talking smart, that pride won't rise up. Because you'll know you got to let them hit you. So you'll say, man, let me get out of this. And your pride won't rise up. Brothers and sisters, my time got away uh, quickly. I had a lot to say, but I'm out of time. Be blessed and have a great day. Well, I'm glad to be with you on this Wednesday. We're talking about godly character. <clears throat> Father, I bless my brothers and sisters. And I pour the blood of Jesus Christ upon them, Lord. I call them blessed. And I call them highly favored. And, Father, I declare over them that the spirit of prayer shall come upon them. They'll begin to pray during the day. They begin to pray at night. Pray in the night watches, Lord. Cause the spirit of prayer to come upon my brothers and sisters, Lord, that they may be successful, Lord, in their endeavors. I ask you, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, we're talking about, you know, developing a godly character, and we want to develop this thing not because... You know what I'm saying? The, the, the stop from going to hell or anything like that. We want to develop a godly character because we have been delivered from hell. Because God has gave his only begotten son that this man, the man Christ Jesus, died for us. He was whooped, spit on, slapped. Things happened to him that wasn't good. He was pierced in his side. He was had nails go through his hands. And so, because he suffered, if we'll suffer with him, we'll reign with him. But you know what I'm saying? The joy of the Lord is our strength. So, if we receive this engrafted word with meekness that can save our souls and we receive it with joy, it'll be easy for us to obey the word of God. God is not, you're not going to obey the word of God and then God allow you to feel terrible. When you obey the word of God, you're going to have a peace come over you. So as we started yesterday, I had started at Matthew 5, and I'll go back over it. It says, but I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, 
turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law, a lot of people want to sue, and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. In other words, we ain't trying to get off into lawsuits and all, of, all that kind of stuff. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. The word twain means two. I looked it up. So they want you to go a mile with him, go two miles with him. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Hallelujah. Sometimes instead of me letting the people borrow it, I just buy it for them. You know. Verse 43, it says, Ye have heard that it have been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. How many believe like that if you hadn't read the Bible? Just in your natural self, self love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You know, they got little sayings, keep your friends close and your enemies close. I'd have heard people say that. I don't know where that come from. There's some kind of worldly saying. I never read it in the Bible. So you'll have people who don't really like you. They'll be trying to uh, act like they like you, but they don't really like you. They'll act like they like it because a guy told me one time, yeah, I try to keep my enemies close. All this silly saying from the world. Well, I don't want to hang out with my enemies. I'm not going to hang out with them if I can avoid it. But the Lord told me to love them. I can obey the God. I can obey the scripture. I can obey God. Verse 44 says, but I say unto you, love your enemies. How many can honestly say you love that, that supervisor that cusses you out and treats you mean? Or you love that husband that, that does evil to you, that cusses you out, maybe beat on you, maybe have affairs on you. How many, how many of you can actually say you love them? <clears throat> and I believe a lot of you do. Hallelujah. I'm going to take a segue. You know the Bible never told a woman to love her husband? The Bible told a woman to respect her husband, but it told her husband to love their wives. And you know both of those areas is the area that each one had the trouble in. Women a lot of times don't respect their husband. They'll cuss him out, talk about how, how, how uh, inadequate he is, how he can't do this and can't do that, and criticize him to their friends and disrespect them in the house, disrespect them in public. Some people do that, and some men don't love their wives. You don't love her. You know, you don't love her. You want to go upside her head. You want to comb her head. That's a word they, they use. How you love somebody, you want to go upside their head. Something wrong with you. You don't love her. Well, she ought not to talk. No, she, you know, she ought to respect you, but you ought to love her. She ought not to talk to you crazy, but you ought not to want to comb her head. God ain't called you to, call, to, be, uh, to beat her. God ain't called you to do certain things like that. And you women, God ain't called you to talk like you talk to your husband. You shouldn't talk that way. You shouldn't get on the phone with your mom and your sister and criticize your husband. You shouldn't you shouldn't get on the on the on the phone with your girlfriends and criticize your husband and down him. Hallelujah. And me and you all love your wives. Focus on looking at her. Go read Proverbs. It said, Let thy wife breast satisfy thee at all times. Go read Proverbs. It's in round the six, seven, and eight verses. Be ravaged with the love of, of your wife, your wife, the woman of your youth. 
Love her. Love her. Quit trying to find stuff wrong with her. Quit trying to quit worrying about if she gained weight or if she got wrinkles or stretch marks. Don't you worry about that. You focus on loving her. You don't look that great yourself. So if we'll study the word and follow the word, we'll be okay. So it says, you have heard that it has been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. We're in Matthew 5 and at verse 44 now. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. How many of you people who done something to you, you bless them? You don't bless them. I, you know, I wasn't doing it at first. What I did was I talked about them. And talked about how evil they was. And talked about how they need to be gone. How many can say amen? How many have been guilty? But Jesus is t teaching us a better way. He's telling us to love those people and bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. How many are you going to do, the person that hates you, you're going to do good to them? I said, how many are going to do good to the person that hates you? Some of you saying, well, I, well, I used to not, but I'm going to do it now because I hear the word said. See, we're going to obey the word because this is how Jesus is. This is what Jesus did to us. Jesus did, did us like this. We was an enemy to Jesus. We wouldn't do anything he said, but he loved us. We wouldn't do what he said, but he's, we cursed. Some of us cursed Jesus. Yeah. But, we, but, but he blessed us. He, he did good to us as, as we hated him. He said, you'll love me. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So you didn't love him because you weren't keeping his commandments. But he still was intercession for you because he knew you was going to come into the kingdom. If you're hearing me now, Jesus was blessing you the whole time because he knew you was going to come into the kingdom and he wants you to act like he act. Be ye imitators of Christ. Got to act like he act. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Kind of like Stephen did in the seventh chapter of Acts. How he loved his enemies. How he loved his enemies. Them that was, that was killing them and stoning them to death. He didn't fight them back. He turned the other cheek. The Bible say he had a face of an angel. And he said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. That was the spirit of Christ in Stephen. He was saying the same words Jesus was saying. Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Those of you who's being mistreated by a wife, forgive her for she know not what she does. Those who being mistreated by a husband, forgive him for he know not what he's doing. Lord, that's being mistreated by a supervisor, by a friend, by a co-worker, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Bless them. Say, Lord, I, I bless them. I, I, I bless them with peace. Bless them with love. Release love on them. If they got hatred, they need you to bless them by releasing love. Lord, I bless so-and-so, and I release the love of God upon them. See, bless them. Do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. Some people are using you. Yeah, they'll use you. Yeah, some people use you. Yeah, but it say pray for them, for them that despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sent it rain on the just and the unjust. If you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than the others? Do not even the publicans so? But be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is heaven 
is perfect. Brothers and sisters, I got a lot to say, but I'm out of time. Be blessed. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day. Hello, brothers and sisters. I'm glad you joined me once again. We're talking about godly character this week. We're just going through the scriptures. We're just having a conversation about how we're going to um, use the word of God and the teachings of Jesus to change the way we act. Just because we want to be a light to the world. You know, uh, my grandmother, man, what a great lady, uh, my mother's mother, Ruth Gillespie. I honor that woman, my grandmother, great woman of God, uh, one of the kindest women I ever met, exemplified kindness. You know, they had rental houses. Their prices for that, when they used to rent their houses out, the prices was very, very cheap. And uh, if the person couldn't pay, she wouldn't kick them out, stuff like that. Um, she, <laughs> she wouldn't let me get a whooping. <laughs> That's what I really liked about her. If they tried to chastise me when she was around, that was a no-no. I remember one time, she, even if she got mad and she tried to spank you, it was almost laughable because she didn't really hit you. You know what I mean? It, it, it later was just, man, she was a sweet woman, hard-working woman. And, you know, you remember the people that treat you kind, and you remember the people that treat you unkind. You know, when I uh, first started on my job, you know, uh, it's, you know, it's a culture in some, some of the places of disrespect and contention. But I remember the people who treated me kind and say, man, it's going to be all right. And looked out for me when I, I had a hard time learning my job, which I didn't have a hard time learning. They wouldn't give you time to learn it. They applied that pressure to you and, you lived under uh, constant threats. And so I said, well, when I, when I get in a position of, of um, honor, that I'm not going to treat the people the way I was treated, and I don't. I, treat, I make it a habit, and I tell people this. I tell, I tell new people, I said, the reason I treat you so good, you might end up being in a position one day where you're over me because I don't have a desire to be in charge. I... I like being out on the street so I can evangelize with the word. But I like to treat everybody with kindness and respect because that person might be my boss one day. They might be able to be in a position where they can be a blessing to me. That's how I look at it. Not that I can't be in that position. I just don't have the desire. I know what my calling is right now. It might be somewhere else in the future. But this is the point. The same people you step on going to the top, it's the same people you got to wave at when the Lord abase you. For he that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that abased himself shall be exalted. Or rather, he that humbled himself. You know, Sunday, during church, I ran to the altar. Man, the praise got so good, I ran and got on the altar. And I went and kneeled at the altar, not because I had some sin I was repenting of, not because I had some trouble that was going on. You know, I ran and kneeled at the altar out of reverence for Jesus. They were singing those songs about the majesty of Jesus and about the magnificent of Jesus. And I went and got on the altar and kneeled out of reverence from him. And I don't mean this to be critical. You know, a, a few people come pray for you. And some of them proceed that, uh, you know, I was, they, you know, 
They was praying on me, Lord, help him out of this situation. Well, I appreciate the prayers. But sometimes you humble yourself just because you need to humble, not because you're in a fight. Now, there's nothing wrong with humbling yourself when you're in a battle, when you're in a fight. But sometimes you just go and kneel at the altar because you're assuming the posture of, of submission. You lay down at the feet of Jesus, it's a posture. If you read the Bible, every time Jesus came, they fell at their feet, fell at his feet or fell on their face. You know, the word of God says every tongue, every knee going to bow and every tongue going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So I'd rather voluntarily fall on my knees and voluntarily lay on my face than to have to come and, and fall on my knees and lay on my face after I have been publicly humiliated. It's better to voluntarily humiliate yourself and fall on your face and ask the Lord for mercy, even when you're doing good. Then the wait to things. Now it's nothing. Look, don't misunderstand me. Don't say, well, I don't want to go to God now that it's bad. No, you do that too. But what I'm saying is, that's the reason. I went, man, because of God's goodness. I went on all because of his goodness, because of the things he's done for me, because of the blessings he's given me. Hallelujah. And I'd do it if it was someone's going bad, but I want to do it if it's good. Hallelujah. So when you want to give praise and honor to God, even when things are going good, we're talking about godly character. And that's how the men of God who were successful like Abraham, people like that, they laid on their face. They, they got on their knees and prayed. You know, Paul said, I bow my knees to the Father. See, it says that in Ephesians, that he'll grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He was praying from his knees. Yeah, not because he had to get on it. He voluntarily humbled himself. Proverbs 11 and at verse 17, it says, The merciful man doeth good to his own soul, but he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. Let me read that again. The merciful man doeth good to his own soul. It don't say the merciful man doeth good to the person he's showing mercy to. You, you, you notice that? It said the merciful man help itself. <laughs> I enjoy the word, man. It don't say, well, Derek, I'm going to show you great mercy. I'm going to help you out. No, you're helping yourself. And when you, when you forgive your enemies, you're helping yourself. When you bless your enemies, you're helping yourself. You're not helping your enemies. You're helping yourself. The merciful man do it good to his own soul to his own soul. Or you say, well, I ain't going to be good to that guy. I'm going to be cruel to him because they deserve it. Well, let's say, but he that is cruel, he troubled his own flesh. Now, you know, some people might be sick. Your flesh is what gets sick, right? Some people can be sick because they're cruel. And you can repent for being cruel and say, Lord, forgive me for being cruel. And you might get healed because the word of God teaches that cruelty causes sickness. When I'm reading right here, the merciful man do it good to his own soul. So if you're merciful, your mind going to be blessed, your will going to be blessed, and your emotions going to be blessed when you show it mercy. But when you're a cruel man, when you're a cruel woman, you're going to get sick, according to what is written. He that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. 
he troubled his flesh. The cruel man troubled his flesh. And the merciful man, he blesses himself in his own mind. He blesses himself in his own will and in his own emotions. But the cruel man, he troubled his flesh. James, the second chapter, and at verse 12, it says, So speak ye, and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. What is the law of liberty? The law of liberty, what is that? The law of liberty in Christ Jesus. You're liberated from the, from the rules and regulations of the law, touch not, taste not, handle not. You're liberate, liberated from all of that. And then at verse 13, it says, For he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy. Now, who are going to have judgment from God? Them that don't show mercy. Them that don't show mercy is going to come under judgment. For he shall have judgment without mercy that have showed no mercy. That go from the president on down. If you don't show mercy, you're going to have judgment without mercy. And mercy rejoices against judgment. See, the merciful man do it good to his own soul. That's why I can rejoice. And see, judgment can be over in the realms of cruelty. It depends. Now, now you got righteous judgment also because God told us to do justice in judgment. But the cruel man troubling his flesh because his judgment is, is cruel. How many understand that? So we're just talking about godly character. I hope you be blessed. I'm out of time. Have a great day. Well, I'm thank, I thank you for sticking with me to the end of the week. And this ain't necessarily a shouting message this week. I'm just chit-chatting with you about godly character. You know, I pour the blood of Jesus Christ and let God's grace and mercy be upon you. But brothers and sisters, let's, let's go into the word of God and let's look at what the scripture is saying about how we should act, how our character should be. Let's, let's go in the book of Colossians, the third chapter. And um, let's just start at the first verse. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Now, I heard a, a saying by some uh, people saying, you're so heavily minded, you're no earthly good. Well, the Bible says set your affection on things above and not on things on, on the earth. You know, I know they're saying to be smart, and I understand what they mean, but I'd rather be accused of that than be accused of being worldly. Every ball I'm at, every party I'm at, you, you, you see me go to church on Sunday, then I'm, then I'm drunk. I remember one time before I got born again, this guy had all, uh, we had, we was riding around, we was over in Bessemer, and um, we went over to this guy's house, and his uncle or dad or somebody was there. This is when I was a youngster, probably about 20, and it was a guy drinking a beer. And um, they said, well, it ain't nothing wrong with drinking. They said, uh, he a pastor. Now, this guy supposedly 
uh, is a pastor or whatever, but he was drinking a Budweiser. <clears throat> well, you know, I always have been kind of brash when I just tell you what I think. I told that guy, I said, man, I don't know about that, man. You being a pastor, you getting drunk? He said, well, the Bible don't say you can't get, uh, you can't drink. It say be not drunk. Well, it do say that, be not drunk with wine in excess. But you know, the word of God also teaches uh, shun the very appearance of evil. You know, it teach that. You know, it teaches in Proverbs, it said, um, um, wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. So I don't want to uh, be getting drunk and drinking and then go preach because that's an appearance of evil. You know you know what I mean? I ain't saying that it's somebody who drinks sinning. You know, it say be not drunk. It don't say you can't drink. But I just don't want to give that appearance. And if you're going to, if, you, if you're a Christian and you're going to, you know, sip wine, I, I suggest that you, do it in the privacy of your home and don't be drunk with wine in excess, which is not convenient. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. So you don't want to give the appearance of evil as becoming a Christian. The word Christian means Christ-like. I don't hear people get mad at that word. It simply means Christ-like. You got to be un-Christ-like to be mad at somebody because they're saying they are Christ-like. Be ye imitators of Christ. Now, one place it did say, say that Jesus was eating and drinking, and they said, well, a gluttonous man and a wine-bib, a friend of publicans and sinners. And it said, John came neither eating nor drinking, and they saying he had a devil. Now, we being Christians, we ain't going to judge a man if we do see him eating and drinking. And we ain't going to judge a man if he kind of strange and he a prophet. We ain't going to judge either way because we judge not that we be not judged. What I'm saying is you need to use the wisdom of God when you're dealing with people. Okay. So it says set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Now, verse 5, and some of you ought to read the book of Corrections, which is the book of Corinthians. It says, Mortify therefore your members which, upon, which are upon the earth. The first one it lists is fornication. Now, I have people sometimes, different ones, they stand in judgment of me. Some of them want to, want to tell me why well, I'm missing it and what well, I need to correct myself and so forth and so on. They say it with a boldness, some of them. And, and some of the ones who do it, the main ones who will do that, many people don't do that to me. There's only a few, couple of them. They are actively practicing fornication. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? The ones who do that, they are act actively practicing fornication. And then they'll tell, try to tell me, or try to tell you, you done probably ran across it, where you need to correct yourself. Well, in honor of that kind of stuff, let's go to Romans, the second chapter, and at the first verse. It says, Therefore, thou art inexcusable, old man, whosoever thou art that judges. For wherein thou judges another, thou condemnest thyself. See, when you try to stand in judgment of your brothers and sisters, 
you condemn it yourself. For thou that judges doest the same things. So in other words, if I'm trying to judge you, more than likely I do what I'm saying you do. I ain't talking about ministering the word. See, you just ministering the word, the word going to tell you right from wrong. I'm talking about somebody with a condemnatory spirit. Oh, you need to quit this. Oh, you need to quit that. I mean, just always judgmental all the time. Trying to tell the pastor uh, what he need to do at the church. How he need to take up the money. How he need to do this and that. Man, shut up. You know what I mean? Quit trying to judge everything that the pastor doing. Quit trying to judge everything that the elders doing. Quit trying to judge everything that your brothers and sisters doing and get your own self together. Get your own self right. Get the beam or the pole or speck out of your own eye or whatever. Then you can see clearly how to help your brother. See, because this said, therefore thou art inexcusable, old man, whosoever thou art that judges. For wherein thou judges another, thou condemnest thyself. So when you judge, you're not condemning the other person, you're condemning yourself. For thou that judges doest the same thing. So when you run across people that are always trying to judge you, don't worry about them people. They're doing that because they messed up. They're messed up themselves. So they're trying to judge you to try to feel good about themselves because they know they're so sinful and they consider you holy and righteous they want to find out something wrong with you to try to justify themselves by pulling you down. So don't worry about them kind of people. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. Pray for them that talk about you. Don't let them people get you upset. So we go back to Colossians, the third chapter. It says, modify therefore your members which are upon the earth fornication. How many know nowadays people fornicate and then they say, they say, they say. And then they sang in the choir. It's pray great prayers, but actively practicing fornication. Paul said, kill that spirit. Uncleanliness. Wash your dishes. Clean up your room. Wash your bathtub. Sweep the flow. Uncleanliness. Inordinate affection. Don't be overly affectionate or, or you know, in a crazy way towards people. You ain't got to go around hugging everybody's husband or hugging everybody's wife and pressing your body parts up against them. Evil concupiscence. Evil concupiscence. You know what that is? That's uncontrolled lust. Uncontrolled lust. I looked it up. And covetedness. Don't desire nothing that's your neighbor's. Your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's home, your neighbor's car. Nothing that is your neighbor's because this is idolatry. And then the verse right after that, it said, For which sake, which things sake, the wrath of God come on the children of disobedience. So sometimes, man, people be under the wrath of God. You remember when the people of Israel, they wouldn't vote the way God vote? And they, they said they couldn't take the um the land. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't uh, agree with God. Some people don't agree with God. They love abortion. They love gay marriage. They love the things God against. And they won't vote with God. And they won't partner with God. Well, the wrath of God, just like he came on those children of Israel, and in 40 years all of them died, it could be the same today. So we want to partner with the things of God 
Because it does say the wrath of God come on the children of disobedience. Brothers and sisters, I wish I had a better way to end. I'm out of time. Be blessed.